What's shaking, cats and kittens? This is Rob Lee from Truth in This Art, your favorite podcast. Every week, I help share the stories of artists, cultural leaders, and entrepreneurs. Small business is the backbone of a thriving community. So this month, I want to show some extra love to our presenting sponsor and small business, Double Dutch Boutique. For the holidays, remember to shop small, shop local. Double Dutch Boutique carries locally made in Baltimore vendors such as This Sporting Life, Creative King, Black Radish Handmade, and so much more. Head on over to 1021 West 36th Street in Hamden or on the web at www.doubledutchboutique.com and tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, Esquire. Today, I like to add a different title to myself. Uh, today, I'm interviewing um, Baltimore-based artists, visual artists. We have Michael Burley. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Robert. Thank you for having me on. So, I think this is going to be great. This is this is kind of a long time coming. I, I wasn't getting my coffee as quickly as I would have liked. My sandwiches were not being toasted, and my grapes weren't being peeled. I was <laughs> going to enjoy the lovely uh, foods from a local local establishment. So, I'm glad we were able to get this done and get this in. Um, so, let's get into it. Uh, I, I described you very briefly as a, a visual artist, but um, give us your vital stats. What's your background looking like? Where did you get started? When did you get started? Where are you from? Well, yeah, um, Robert, thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Actually, I am a Baltimore-based artist. I'm a Maryland-based artist as well. I was born and raised here in Maryland on the Eastern Shore. I started painting when I was about 12. I started getting interested in art at the same time. A friend of my brother's was living at our house, and he was a painter at the time, and yeah. he gave me my first brush and canvases. He had wanted to go to an online art school, and this guy came to the house. I think I was like 12, like I said, 11, 12. He wanted to come to the house and did a, like a test with my brother's friend, and they asked this one question, and it was like, what is the difference in this picture that most people wouldn't do? Yeah. And it was something like the breath coming out of the bear's mouth, yeah. and I'm the only one that got it right. You know, he asked everybody in the house, this is like part of this, like to get into this art thing. And they were like, oh, well, that's cool. That's cool. You know, it and then from there on, um, I w he, my, he gave me my first brush and paints. He had extra. And then I just started painting and I just started creating and painting. And I really, I grew up creating. My grandmother was a seamstress. My dad had a body shop. I was sewing since I was nine mm -hmm. with her. So I kind of grew up making stuff. I remember I used to go door to door at Christmas time. Make, I made these really crappy candle holders and stuff, but I would try to sell them to raise money for Christmas stuff. And like, I don't know, I would never let a kid go out and sell these crappy things looking like that. They looked awful. People bought them for like 10 bucks. <laughs> but um, I had forgot all about that. But um, yeah, it was really funny. They were like foam and I spray painted the foam. I had like a candle. I would have, if I let my kid go out like that, I'd have been like, let's make it look better. But my parents didn't. They let me just do my thing and they just let me make it. I had to go out and hustle it. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I just started creating from there. And I was, you know, did all the art programs in my schools. I went to the local Chesapeake College when I got out of high school. I was already a part of the Queens County Arts Council. I got a scholarship with them, an art scholarship for my associate's degree at Chesapeake College. And then I already knew I wanted to go to art school. So my two hometowns, I call my home cities, Baltimore and Philadelphia. Okay. My dad's family is from Philly. I was in Philly all the time. Basically, grew up between the two. So I applied for UArts in MICA. Yeah. And I ended up going to UArts. So and then going to undergrad school there. And I did the art therapy program as well because mm -hmm. I thought you know their psychology was interesting and always interested me as well. Sure. But that's kind of like where my art background came from. But besides that, I mean, I was always like 
before I went to art school, I was showing in galleries and like kind of like, I guess I always had the hustle of selling stuff and selling my creation since I was a kid. Yeah. So going into it, having that that like, kind of like family friend that, uh, that, that come there, it's like here here are some of my um, my extras, if you will, the brushes and paint and so on. I, I find like when I was in my early stages of like my artistic pursuit, just having family members or people who were close or like. Yeah, here's an art book because I used to draw all the time, right. and or even um, like recently um, having having this like equipment, right? Um, I just remember my girlfriend was like, "Hey, I got this for you," and it's like a new mixer, and I'm like, "Take it back." And, you know, I didn't want it, but it was just like because I just appreciated the gesture, and I think having someone there to kind of help poke at that interest that you might have to help move it along, because. You know, looking at like someone as a kid, it's like this costs money. Things cost money. I'm not going to give you this to mess around with, but someone that just has extras and you can just explore, unabated. That's great. I think that's great. It is. It was. And if I didn't get that, I may not have picked it up as soon as I did. I may have um, gone a different route in my creativity. Mm -hmm. But I was able to, you know, try it out. And it wasn't like, you know, the kind of brushes you normally give kids. It was nice brushes. Mm -hmm. It was a nice canvas. It wasn't like the crap material you usually give a kid when they're first trying something out because you don't know if they're going to like it or not. Here's a here's some construction paper. Here's Basically, a coloring book. Have at it. Here's a pen. Here's a pair of scissors that won't even cut paper from the dollar store. You know, most kids yeah. get. Don't run with them. <laughs> um, so, so some folks are creative, and, and, and but don't find a niche when uh, they're best or most interested in it first. Kind of what you were touching on. I, I started off as an illustrator, and then a writer, and now a podcaster. At what point in your life did you realize like you you had that creative talent? You touched on like really earlier, but like it, it, when you were like maybe like going back as far as nine, doing the um, stuff with your grandmother. Yeah, I um, remember being a kid, and I was been sewing since I was like nine. I made a quilt for my sister's best friend when she was pregnant when I was in second grade. Oh, wow. Like, I made a whole little square quilt, and my yeah. grandmother taught me how to pin it, how to cut it. I, she made me do it all myself. If I wanted to make it, I had to do it. And even at that age, I, I was into fashion and dresses, and I made my mom. I really, I wanted, I never finished it. I wish I would have finished it. <laughs> Probably would never have came out that great, but I really wanted to finish. It. I made it a New Year's Eve dress, yeah. and I designed it. it. Had like a shawl, lace shawl. I remember it had a blue, it was blue satin, and I needed her to come for a fitting, and it just never, it just fell, you know, never happened. But I always wonder how it would have looked. <laughs> yeah. So that so kind of having that that realization, like as a, as a kid, like you know, in those early years, like I was able to form in my mind yeah. and see, and I already knew, like my grandmother was always like, "How can you sew without a pattern?" And I was like, I don't need a pattern. Oh, wow. And she was like, well, why don't you? I was like 10 at this point, 10 yeah. or 11. And I'm in her basement with her sewing. And she's like, well, don't you need a pattern for that? I'm like, she's going through a pattern drawer. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't need Why would I need a pattern? Wow. I was like, I just sew it. And she's like, well, no, how are you going to know? I was like, because it won't look right. <laughs> so so do you, so outside of your your artwork, do you have anything that you feel like as as um, as an individual that you apply back into your art, like let's say some people are really good at time management and that keeps them on focus on I need to do this much, I need to put this much attention towards creating in this week. Are there other skills that might not feel like they're quote unquote creative that help you be a better artist? Well, yeah, you touched on time management, which is always a big deal, especially in the beginning when you are really just deciding to pursue your art, often you have to have another job. Yeah. And you have to figure out how you're going to balance having a job, a life, 
and art as a job yeah. as well. And I do like get very particular with my time management and um, other you know skills as in just being able to say right now I'm going to turn on my creative brain to work yeah, yeah. at one o'clock today. Now you know now it's four o'clock and I have somewhere else to go. I have to turn that off kind of and like go and do my next thing. I was working for an event company about seven years ago that really got me trained my to train my brain how to do that because yeah. you know when you're a creative person sometimes you, you, some people only can work when they're creative mm -hmm. piano may have to say the piano you know piano may have to the piano whatever but for an artist like I've kind of trained my brain how to like okay now it's time to work yeah. kind of thing get my I call on my toys get all my toys spread out around me and I can work for a while also, I realize I try not to sleep too much because, you know, <laughs> sleeping is overrated. As long as I can get a couple hours of good sleep, I'm usually good to go. Yeah. And waking up early, I find, is very important. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, something that's maybe not creative. But I do think, you know, to keep myself on a strict time management and a strict schedule, like I try to always get up by 7 a.m. because I feel like if I can get up between 6.37, I can get certain things done that mm -hmm. no one's going to be emailing me or calling me and I can be creative. And then I can get my day started off that way. If I have too many days in a row where I'm not getting up early, I just feel like I'm not getting enough done in a day. Do you do you feel that there are certain times in the day that you're struck by that inspiration more than others? Like, like some people like to work super late, right? Like, mm -hmm. man, I can get up at two. I'm busy. That is my best creative times. Right. And I think you're on the same page I am. I like to get up at like probably like five something i found like i'm suddenly an old man because i'll go to sleep at like like 10 i'm like oh no but age has befallen me mm -hmm. but I'll, I'll get like a good maybe six i was working on like six hours of sleep because i'm like i could be doing something better than sleeping it's, it's overrated and i could work on researching someone i could work on some questions i have to constantly be doing something in this sphere or it gets rusty muscle atrophies. No, I, no, I agree completely. I think we're pretty much on the same schedule. I could probably call you when I get up and you'll be awake. <laughs> lately, with the time changing, I've been feeling lately lazy. I sleep, I've been sleeping till eight, which I don't like. But yeah. most people sleep till eight, right? But you know, for me though, I usually don't go to bed till like one in the morning, and then I get up at like seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. You know, that's I. But I do tend to find, if I can get up and work right away, I can be very creative early, mm -hmm. and I like that. During the day, I have a hard time because I get distracted mm -hmm. with things in life. Like, so, but I've been fortunate enough now that I have lots of commissions and I have other ways I do creatively make money that I don't have. I work for myself, yeah. which I've been, this is all very new to me now. So I've been working on constructing that in a way that I make sure I get everything done mm -hmm. as well. And I don't try not to let too much slip through the cracks because it's easy to let things slip through the cracks when you're working for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you're like, I got to make that money, but I got to have me time as well. And then I find myself overbooking myself. I, I've run into that and I've tried to use the, the calendar. That, that was a recent invention, mm -hmm. right, of utilizing the calendar. And I'll, I'll put it this way. Next week, I have 13 podcasts to record. Right. And, you know, literally it's like you you know that there are going to be like, for instance, one the one I was after you today has gotten canceled. Like the person can't make it. And I think the nature of that's when you're like, thank God I can't <laughs> sleep or something. <laughs> but it's the, the nature. I'm going to go drinking. Uh, or that. The, the nature of, uh, I think, working with artists sometimes you have to be mindful that they are working as well. So 
if it's like, I got a gig that I can get real quick and I got to make that money, I was like, all right, then talk to me later. That's great. We can get that done later. Have you ever noticed, though, yeah. when your friends are find out that you work for yourself, they think you have all the time in the world to Absolutely. do anything? And it's like, well, no, I, well, sure, yeah, I would love to do that, but I got to do my shit, my stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? And it's like, oh, you're not working. You're not busy, are you? I pick, I pick Monday mornings, right? I'll look at who do I have scheduled for this week. And I'll pick like a nice four hour block because I don't know if it's creative. Like this part is the creative part to me. This part's the interesting part, but the work up into it, it's like I gotta put four hours to the side, like on a Monday morning, drink like two coffees, get it in. And um, just start kind of researching the, the, the people that I'm interviewing. Oh, that's an interesting tidbit. Let me listen to this podcast that they did before because you might listen. It's like, okay, this person might be a dick. Like, let me make sure it happens. And, we all are in some extent. <laughs> well, some more than others. Exactly. Here. <laughs> uh, but it, it's one of those things where having that preparation is like I can get the, I, I, I guess, the administrative components out of the way just to get to the part that I like. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's the same thing with my art. There's a part where art looks like hell mm. in the middle of it. But yeah. you once you push past that, it's when things start falling together. Yeah. And you, if somebody views it when it looks like hell, they're going to let you know it looks like hell. <laughs> and you're like, but it's not done. Would you just come back just later? Come back later. Right. <laughs> Nobody invited this you. This is a work <laughs> Right. Exactly. <laughs> but no, I, I do the same thing. And I try to take one day a week, which is usually on, <clears throat> for me a Monday or a Friday, where that is the day I play catch up. Mm-hmm. And I try to get as much done as possible in that time frame. I don't answer my phone. I keep it turned off. I'll get back to whatever I have to get back to later. And that's it changes. Sometimes my schedule changes. Lately, I've had a couple um, <clears throat> art-related jobs. Like I have an ongoing mural that I'm working on, and I've been doing window displays yeah. um, for local com- both local companies, and we can get into that in a minute. But um, I will like okay. I'll, week prior, week prior, I'll say okay. Look, one week I do the mural, the other week I do window displays. Yeah. And I, but then I so I have time to work on my own things because I'll schedule five commissions in one week, and I, I, that's not humanly possible. <laughs> and I find myself like you know up all hours like you know what, screw it, I can't do it, I can't do it. Yeah. Like because I want to do it good too. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. Like it, it's kind of that meeting that I was describing earlier. That uh, one of the questions they asked me, like, what sets, like, what you're doing aside from someone else that might interview the same person or whatever. And I was like, there's a certain standard. You don't want to just put something out there. It's like, yeah, I can do 13 podcasts in a week, but I want them to be good podcasts or that number is going to drive down to your point. It's like, I, I can't do that in that way. It's like that 13 might turn into eight, but they're going to be eight good ones. And then I'll get the other ones scheduled when I have more time to manipulate. There's a time in there with anything like you just said to where you have to say, okay, look, the quality's gonna suffer mm-hmm. if I try to push this through. It's better for me just to tell the people, look, who needs their painting first? Yeah. <laughs> you know, is there a birthday celebration anniversary coming up? Yeah. No? Great. You can wait an extra week. Yeah. You know, Daisy already died. I'm sorry, but it happened. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll get back to that in a second. But you get the ones done that have a time frame, yeah. you know, and you have to do that sometimes because it's, like you said, too, it's your name, it's my name being attached to these things. And I don't want crappy work going out there that I've produced. It's prioritization. Like, you know, trying to do that shift like I'm not quite there but I'm in that spot where I'm able to balance the creative thing the relationship the uh, the job the, the the me time and even just 
just other stuff. Like I like to leave a line there for miscellaneous. Right. Because, you know, it's just all type. Like, you got to account for that time Because sometimes. things come up yeah. in life. You yeah. have to go pick up my nephew from this camp suddenly because yeah. his mom got a flat tire. Who knows? Things come up, right? And you have to be able to. Or you need a couple extra bucks so you get an extra gig or something last minute, you know? So that, that I think that's I think that's a key thing. And I think what you're just describing there it, it would be helpful for people just to consider, like, how to really look at your time. And I, I describe my approach to it. Is stealing time. Like if I can find a way to uh, stack, so it might be I need to connect with somebody that I've be a cultivated relationship or friendship or what have you, but also I want to like maybe just have a moment of me time. I can maybe affix those two things together, and it's like all right, not a bunch of people. I can hang out with one one person or what have you, two people, something like that. So I do the socializing thing, and I'm doing something that I want to do, so I'm controlling it that I don't feel like I'm suffering, or I might take a longer lunch break and record a podcast, and it, it's stacking those things, and you're able to get it done. But it is an undertaking when you're doing a lot of it by yourself, and you're working on I six hours of sleep. I call it killing two birds with one stone. Yeah. I didn't think I try to do, like, I um, host uh, paint nights often, yeah. and I do them when I go, like, say, to the Eastern Shore, I'll be like... I'll put on social media, hey, anybody want to buy any artwork? I can deliver it for free on the Eastern Shore because I'll be there between you at this time yeah. period. I just lost my wallet recently because I had so much stuff. I've been so busy. I was exhausted. came back from deliver- doing a hosting a paint night, delivering a painting, got back around midnight. My partner wasn't home, so I was like, great, it's a me time. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I can run around the house screaming, hollering, and I can go in the studio screaming, hollering, and no one's going to question what I'm doing. Yeah. I went, the, I got all my crap out of the car. I don't know what the hell happened. I got to the house the next morning and can't find my wallet anywhere. Oh, no. I guess I dropped it, but I was, because I was preoccupied with everything going mm-hmm. on, I just slipped out of my hand. So I'm learning I got to try to be more mindful. Yeah. But, you know, because these things happen when we're paying too much attention to everything else going on. And you can only kill two birds with one stone. You can't kill three. <laughs> so... I've read that your your work is inspired by the ups and downs of life, right? Right. So can you share an example that kind of worked into you, some of your art? Yes, I can. Uh, so recently, I don't know um, if you maybe saw it. I posted on different social media apps. I post different things. I uh, had a leg operation, a really oh. big leg operation uh, right, before COVID, right after COVID happened. Um, July 24th of 2020, they had to do a leg reconstruction surgery. Oh, wow. I am a big baby when it comes to being in pain, sick, anything like that. I don't like getting sick. I don't like being in pain. I don't like being uncomfortable. So I had this thing on my leg, this leg fixation device, and they had to rework it in two places. Big, awful operation. Five months this thing has on my leg. So I went through a lot of emotional turmoil in this time period. A lot of itself brought on because I'm a big baby when I'm feeling well. And... Like, so I started painting these paintings that were mist and things coming out of mist. And yeah. it was all black and white. And it was kind of eerie looking and stuff. And a lot, I, I step back and look at my art. It always relates to how I'm feeling, especially if I'm doing things like that. Now, when I'm doing commission things, that's a bit different because I'm going towards what the person wants and I try to channel into them. Yeah. When I'm painting for myself, they're like these mist paintings. I did a small series of them. I sold them all on social media, but I did a small series of them in watercolor, and it was just like kind of like my inner self coming out, and it was like as I was healing from the operation and like coming out of the head fog of it all, and that was kind of like the same 
essence that was captured in the paintings was like you would see that what was coming out through the mist, but it was still smoky and, and it was still cloudy. Mm-hmm. And that was how I was feeling at the time. Yeah. So like that's just a small example. One example of, you know, how often like, you know, the way I'm feeling and then like when I'm feeling very energetic and I have a lot of things going on, I'm really happy. I'm a happy painter. I'm not a very good sad painter. <laughs> um, so one of my gallery people will tell you the opposite, but I think I paint better when I'm happy. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's very bright and bold and colorful and it'd be like, you know, very expressive marks and very colorful stuff, you know, going on in the artwork. And a lot of times art has this subconscious component to it. And when I'm doing something to just do it because I feel like I need to do this painting and I don't know why I need to do it, it often relates with something that's going on in my life and often I won't even realize that until I'm in, until like I have done the series, or I did the painting, I step away from it and I'm like, oh wow, I was really in a fucked up headspace yeah. and it really does show, you know. I, that's like going back to, I, I think looking at whatever a person is creating that has like a, a, a personal slant to it, they put some of themselves into it, you have to look at it as a period of time, a document of time, right? So I remember my brother, He's he, he won't agree with this, but I know it's the truth and deep down in his heart he'll agree that he's my biggest fan. And He'll, he'll listen to uh, the other podcast that I did. He'll listen to this one as well. And he's like, yeah, man, you're going through some stuff right then, man. You know, because I've been podcasting for 13 years. So going from being a shithead in his 20s to being a shithead in his mid-30s is it, it, a, whole, a whole different situation. And you kind of work through some of your things. Well, anybody who's been watching you that long into doing whatever art that you're doing, yeah. they recognize what you're doing, you know what I mean? And and they know you, so they, they, they can see when you've had a change and a shift. My brother is the same way. And my sister-in-law, she's more, um, sees it more than I see it, yeah. or then more than my brother will see it. She is more in tune with it, and she'll, like, you know, call me or message me if I paint something that she's just like, oh, I can tell what's, what's going on. I can tell something's up, you know? Yeah. And I'll be like, no, I'm fine. And she's like, well, no, I, I can tell something's up because you painting X, Y, and Z or whatever, you know. And if it wasn't, like, something that was particularly for a client, like, I just had this ongoing series that I recently did. It's called Life and Death. Mm-hmm. And it's um, butterflies and a skeleton. Mm-hmm. And it's butterflies, and it's, I've done different skeletons, bull skeleton, human skeleton, raven skeleton. And the butterflies are in are the, are the life part, obviously, and the skulls are the death part. Well, my mom died in May. Mm-hmm. I had this big leg surgery, you know, and under, I, mean, I could have died as well from anesthesia. I had to have the leg thing come off. My best friend died this year in February. Um, the whole COVID thing happened. You know, just about a lot of life and death going on lately. Mm-hmm. And that, like, really inspired, you know, that painting to come out. And then I think every time I start feeling or revisiting that area, I that's why I call it a continuing series, because I still paint them, because there's something about painting them. The, these orange and pretty butterflies with these skulls and this death that is very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely, like, a reflection of what is behind the, that mask, the, the thing that we present to people. And it's like, you see this, but behind it, it's a sad clown. Uh, yeah, right. Well, and that's why people don't like clowns. They don't know what's behind the mask. <laughs> no, but it is, and it is like that. And there's enough negative stuff on social media. Mm-hmm. I choose to not post 
Mm-hmm. People will be often tell me things. Your life is perfect. You're doing this. You're doing great. I'm like, well, you don't see the other things. Right. You don't see the underlying things that are going on. Yeah. Because, you know, I just already, in, you know, I do a lot of stuff in one day. I don't need to post the negative stuff, too. Right. <laughs> that would be boosting way too much. So let's let's look at some of the barriers as an artist, mm-hmm. right? Like, what are some of the, the barriers that you run into? And I think you've kind of kind of poked and prodded at some of them, like the time thing sometimes, kind of being your own boss and sometimes and things of that nature. But what are what are the ones that come to mind when I think of, you think of the biggest barriers you face as an artist and how do you address them? Well, you know, some of the biggest barriers are things that I'm, I face all the time and I'm sure a lot of other artists could agree. Recognition, trying to get your work out there. Like I am... Consistently, consistently trying to like you know, I'm working on expanding out of Baltimore. That's not easy to expand out of Baltimore. You know, the way to expand is you have to apply, you have to meet people, and I, you know, I do. I, I'm a hustler. I do the legwork. You know, I got, and I'm currently always doing the legwork, and you know, finding the time to do that. You know, applying to residency programs. I have dyslexia. I don't. I sometimes I complain. I don't understand why artists have to write artist statements because <laughs> I don't want to write anything. Right. I don't want to have to like you know proofread anything. I'm a visual person, mm-hmm. right? You know, but I gotta write all these artist statements. A barrier for me, personal barrier, is when I have to write something like that. I am currently working on my artist statement. I'm gonna have a friend help me with it, but you really have to rely on your friends to help you with these barriers. You know, mm-hmm. I've applied to some recent galleries. I haven't heard back yet. It's not easy getting, I'm always like, what is the formula to get your name out there? What is the formula to get seen and get hurt? You know, there's a million other people, painters out there. Why is somebody going to pick my painting over to somebody else's painting as a, you know, as a visual barrier, like as a, as a, just, just meeting people and it's, it's networks and connections and being in the right place at the right time. Well, if you're in your studio painting all the time, you're not in the right place at the right time because yeah. you know where, but you're in your studio. You know, so you got to make the time for that as well. Um, financial barrier, you know, it takes money to make money. And that's, it is what it is. I Trust me, I coupon cut. <laughs> I do all the things I can do to get the best deals, to get the best prices on my yeah. materials as I possibly can. And I've gotten really good at it. But still, it does take a amount of money to make money, you know, mm-hmm. and I've worked the third jobs. I've worked the second jobs. I've, you know, done what I've had to do to feed my passion, keep everything over my head. And then you have to travel to get influences. You have to travel to be inspired sometimes. Yes. You have to, you know, it's, and with COVID, I haven't been able to travel for a while. I'm just starting to get back into that. But, those, you know, like, you know, the barriers of financial barriers, the barriers of, you know, just to me, the word gallery is a barrier. Yeah. I mean, some gallery here that's in my artwork <laughs> out there, you know? Somebody just take it in, please. But <laughs> because it, that's like if I'm always like, I can sell any, I, my artwork sells. Yeah. Galleries have, a, it's hard to find a gallery to take you on if you don't have a name. And it's, that's, that's one of the, the things, like this, kind of this justification thing as to, are you a valid? Are you valid as an artist? That's that's what I feel like some people encounter because um, certain aspects I think of of the art world aren't the most inclusive. Th- things are changing, I, I suppose. But like one of the things I, I heard about was like um, black curators. They almost don't exist, <laughs> and so if the art that's being reflected in these spaces 
are indicative of the people, the taste of the curator. And the curator is not reflective of someone that looks like me or someone who may have the same background of a more broader background. Then what are you going to have? You're going to have people not being to get galleries. Right. And then that's, you know, that's the visionary gallery. Yeah. Great space. Mm -hmm. I can't apply there, though, because I have a degree in art. Yeah. You know, it's so, outside art, yeah. right. So, you know, it's outside art, which is great. And, but I don't think you should or should not have to have a degree in art anywhere to get there. In art school, they did not teach us how to get into galleries. They didn't teach us how to display art. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hear a lot of that's changing these days in art school, which is great. But, like, getting someone to look at your art and, and to take a risk on you Mm -hmm. It's not easy to do, like you know, because people want to make their money. They want to make their. And I, you know, some of the galleries I just recently submitted to, I've seen their work they have there. It's, I mean, I don't paint like the people who paint there. Obviously, I'm not them, but my stuff would look good there. Yeah. But I don't have the name that they have because I know where some of these other people are showing. I've seen their work in other galleries across the world, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if they're gonna pick me. But we'll see. <laughs> so almost, it's like you're you're looking for. Like why not me? That's that's kind of yeah, the thing. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Right. It's yeah. like you know what, what makes it. Why did you pick them? And you know, so I just keep submitting and crossing my fingers, and keep putting it out there. That's that's going to make this next question hilarious. Then the timing of it, because I'm just going I'm going through these in chronological order. Uh, so what makes a piece good, and what makes a piece great? There you go. So uh, <laughs> right on time, right? Right on time. <laughs> to me, in my opinion, I like when I work on something. It needs to have structure and volume, mm. whether it's abstract, realism, impressionism, surrealism, whatever. A red dot on a piece of white paper, yeah. right? It's got to have, it's got to have volume to it. Mm. It's got to be able to see the weight, the size of it. It's got to draw your interest. You know, it's got to have form to it. I, I personally like when things. Or have some kind of, or like, you know, if it's a red ball, is it weighted down somehow? Is it shadowed on the one side, yeah. giving it some interest and like highlighted on the other side? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or is it, is it, if it's just a dot on a piece of paper, why is it a dot on a piece of paper? You know, mm -hmm. what sometimes some art is about the story behind it. Yeah. And okay, if that's the case, great, the placard should recognize that and you should be able to read that. You know, I don't think. You know, I art is in the eye of the beholder, and this is a funny question because this is something like my partner and I always talk about, and it's always my friends and I always talk about, it, and it's like, what, what, what am I gonna paint? Like sometimes, sometimes you just need to make some money, yeah. and so I'm just like, what can I fucking paint to make some money? It's gonna sell, <laughs> you know, and it's just so off, weird, different. You never know. You know, I have people who have bought something from me, and I'm just like, I'll put it out there and something that I think will sell right away. I'm like, oh great, I need to make some money, I need to make the car payment, I'm gonna put this on social media and it won't move. And then something I'm like, no one's gonna, this is stupid, I hate this piece, this is dumb, I just yeah. post it anyway. And somebody buys it right away and I'm just like, I don't know, I don't even know what, it, the, it's, it's hard to kinda, what the formula is anymore. It's, it's hard to find like what the tastes are for people and I think. Well, for, but so bass. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think, in it, because I run into like, like, look, I'm in the analytics all the time. How many downloads was this episode? <laughs> right. I thought this one was gonna be good. This person was half high. Right, Why right, did this right, get right. more downloads than this one? And I, I find like, it, it's long as I'm kind of staying with what I'm attempting to do, that's for everybody else to do. And my job is to try to find other ways to make money doing it or what have you, if that's the goal. 
And but at the same time, I recognize there's a certain degree of privilege that, you know, having a job that pays a certain amount and so on that, you know, I can do that. But I'm trying to make that transition to not use my job to fund my creative pursuit because it just I don't like those two things being connected. I don't like it. But going back to like the response piece of it, when I'll do an episode, I'm like, all right, that sound quality was not great. This was not the best place to do it. Like you might be outside of a space like this. This is shut off control the sound or at my place shut off control the sound but a person may say hey can you come and do it at my space i'm like cool <laughs> and then this echoey and so on it's like all right i can't get them again and i really like this interview and i put it out there people will love it and then i'll have one that's like this sounds great it's a good interview i'm really happy about it me and a person of friends now to download you're like what the hell well you know in that case though it's the quality of that one that sounded like it was at home and the personal feeling to it probably, yeah. right? Then the, then the stale, typical one that you're going to have that's controlled, you yeah. know? That's the same thing with art, too, you know? Like I said, I'll do something sometimes and I'm just like, uh, but I do like what you said. When I, I'm finding myself finally at a place, I don't care if you like it or not. Mm-hmm. I'm going to paint it because it's what I want to paint. It's what I'm feeling drawn to do. You know, I will pick up commissions and do commissions, and that's a bit different. And I really try to channel into what I think the person wants. And I can typically tell when someone doesn't know what they want because I I typically can't instinctually figure it out. But when when somebody knows what they want, I can usually paint their painting in no time flat. And they just didn't do it. Um, But, and... I find that when I can just do the ones that I want to do, and I'm at the point now, like I said, it's important to have it separate so I can just do what I think looks good. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. You know, like I'm finding my place at a point now with my different ways of using art to make money that I can, I try to just paint what I like. Yeah. And that seems to be the best formula is to paint what I like. You, you got to be in a spot, at least I think, to try to satisfy yourself because the... You go crazy the, trying to satisfy everybody else because you can't. Because people have fickle tastes. And you can't make everybody happy. <laughs> no. You're never going to. You're better off trying to piss them all off than you are to make them happy. I thought you were going to say something completely different there. I was like, you yeah, have better luck <laughs> pissing on all of them. I was like, well, what? Well, Pardon me? Yeah, it depends on your taste, but... <laughs> That's a whole different uh, it's a different podcast, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, which current art world trends are you following? That is a good question, and that is something that I need to really get more into sure. art world trends because I get myself locked in my studio too much, and I don't really get out there. Like, I really want to get into the NTF trend. <laughs> I think it's really cool, and I got some really cool ideas for it. But taking the time to learn how to make an NTF, yeah. and then I, I ask my friends who have done it or know something about it, and they're like, I'm like, uh, set it up for me and I'll make one because I don't like <laughs> see myself going out and doing all the things, yeah. and then it could be a fat and it could die, right? Yeah. Um, that is just an interesting trend, and I do like the idea that it's, I like, and here's one thing I really like about this idea, and I really think they have something going on here and they could do something with this. The idea that the visual artist can make money after the first sale. Mm-hmm. With an NTF, every time an NTF is sold, the artist gets a percentage of royalties. Yep. It does not happen with any other painting. All these paintings that I've sold out there in the world, and like, if like, I became famous or something, or I die tomorrow and they become famous, yep. 
somebody's going to sell them and the world, no, nobody else makes money off it, yeah. you know, which I really like the idea. I, oh, when I make artwork for myself, I often think, how can I reproduce this on something? Yeah. You know, T-shirt, would it be cool for that? Would it be cool for a coaster or a mug? Because it's always great to make money on royalties. And that's the one really cool thing I think the NTFs have is that, and I have heard of one other artist doing it with paintings. I can't remember his name, but I read it in an article. And he made his NTS. He sold them with bitcoins, I guess, or however you do that. And the wallet thing you have to get. And um, he uh, made it so he could. His, I don't know if he did it for all of his paintings or just one or what he did. But I think it's a good, cool idea of, of, of hooking it the sale history mm-hmm. with the paintings, yeah. like that you do with the NTFs. Yeah. But I do think they're cool to have the moving images. All right, this is the the last question that I have before I get into rapid-fire questions. Now I'm aware with the rapid-fire questions. Oh, no, no, you're, you're, out of my mouth. You'll, you'll be good, you'll be good. <laughs> so, um, and I think you touched on that earlier, um, on this, this last question, but maybe there's a different example. So describe a time that, that someone gave you a shot that really kind of helped you in your artistic um, pursuits. I would say with that, several things recently... Mm-hmm. That I've been doing. One time, one particular time. I don't know if it's like. Well, well, one that just comes to mind. It doesn't there, have to be like. There's the, several yeah. things that come to mind when you say that. That's why sure. I like to think about it for a second. I don't want to piss anybody off. Forget oh. something. <laughs> My never, award speech here. <laughs> you never know who's going to hear a podcast down the road. Hopefully, many people. <laughs> Everybody share this. <laughs> Copy and share. No, but. um. So that's been okay. I have to say, so in 2017, yep. when I moved to Baltimore, is when I decided I was going to start working on making art a full time career. Before that, I had stopped painting for a while. In my 20s, I was painting a lot, but a lot of life stuff came up and I kind of drifted out of it. In 2017, though, I decided I was going to make it a full time career, moved to Baltimore, started painting. I started hanging them at High Waters at Hopkins. They let me hang my, I was working there, and they let me hang my artwork on the walls, which was great because I got to talk to customers about what they liked and didn't like and get feedback. It's like when the comedian has their dive bar, yeah, yeah. they try jokes at. That was like yeah. my dive bar I would show things at because I was there every day and I could ask regulars what they liked and didn't like, yeah. which was great. Um, but so a, a gallery that opened up here in Baltimore called um, Baltimore Art Gallery in Hamden, and they gave me a good shot, but they kind of, they knew me. Kristen and I, had, I she had hung work with me at Atwaters. Yeah. Um, I guess, and I guess so I got some familiarity with the art world in Baltimore. Baltimore in general has been very, the people in Baltimore have been very good to me. Vicki from Spirits of Mount Vernon, she's been a great patron of my art and has helped me. Lord Baltimore, I mean, she's undoing a mural there currently, an ongoing mural of the Pups of Mount Vernon. And it's, it's like every other week I go and I paint like five dog portraits on her wall. <laughs> and the idea is the whole, all her walls in the top five foot are going to be covered in dog portraits in two years. And it's a really fun thing and yeah. people in the community love it and it's a lot of fun and it's really great for me as um, an artist because I can kind of budget that I'm going to be doing that for at least the next couple of months, you know, sure. like kind of working on my budgeting. Um, so Vicky's been great to me. Uh, there's been, uh, like it's the Lord Baltimore Hotel. I have done a couple of shows there and that's what, and when I really started getting my foot in the door in Baltimore, I did a calendar and I did a discovery of Baltimore calendar in 2019. I had to show at Lord Baltimore where I showed that calendar 
and they've had me back for a couple other shows there, as well as I um, currently started doing windy, Windows at Octavia. It's a um, boutique. It's a very, very fancy <laughs> boutique. They have beautiful clothing, and I really like them. They're a little small business. Yeah. Uh, Betsy from Octavia, she gave me it. She's let me do window displays, which is a great way. It's a good thing. I think it's a fun outlet for me to do other kinds of art, like painting on her windows and doing her window displays. And I've been doing merchandising for them. So that like between her merchandising with her and I'm starting to pick up other window clients yeah. and all that stuff feeds into my art. And it feeds into my financial part of my art as well as things and ideas and helps me to get my name out there. And also, like EC Pops, they have they do have a, a gallery on the second floor. As soon as they created it, they asked me to be one of the gallery um, artists, so I show there all the time at Fells Point. EC Pops, it's on the second floor. It's called the Rainbow Gallery. Yeah. And just I Baltimore in general has been really good to me, but it hasn't been without me really putting myself out there yeah. and talking to people and working with people and promoting myself and volunteering and doing all kinds of stuff but there have been a few key people like you know like, like Vicky like Lee from Lord Baltimore Betsy Atwaters and not Ned is great mm-hmm. I only know him that well personally yeah. but I got to show my artwork Mike that was the manager was really cool and he let me show my artwork there and I think that really was the start of me getting my artwork out in Baltimore and they and he liked it but I'm still looking for somebody who can give me that really big worldwide break, you know. <laughs> if there's any takers out there, no. But um, but yeah, just you know, Baltimore in general, like I think, you know, they're they're a good artist city, and we're really a growing city, and we're trying to really, you know, turn our city around mm-hmm. as far as why people are going to come to Baltimore and stay. Yeah. You know, and because you know there are fun things to do, and. I, and I never, growing up on the Eastern Shore, thought I would live in Baltimore and like it because this was like the 90s. And, yeah. you know, if you don't know, if you know Baltimore, you know what it was like in the 90s. And it's not that way anymore. It's really come a long ways. And I really have to just like, you know, thank being in Baltimore in general and a lot of the amazing people that I have met here because it is a small, they call it small Baltimore for a reason. Yeah. And it's a real reason. All right. Did thank that you. answer your question? It did. Okay. It did. And thank you. Long um, way around. No, no, no. Uh, so now we get to the rapid fire. Okay. So uh, this is a kind of newish segment that I'm working in, and just see if it works. See if it works. And essentially, these are just answers. There is no context needed. And then uh, from there, we'll wrap. I'll give you a chance to shamelessly plug away. Right. And that'll be that. Uh, so there are going to be five questions here. What's your favorite movie? I knew you were going to ask that question. (laughs) This is great. Okay, this time of the year, honestly, and it's really funny, Elvira. That's fair. The Dark. That's fair. I watch it every Halloween since I was a kid. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, What's your favorite book? The Tassel gets me every time. Sorry. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to watch Elvira. You got to watch. It's good. It's it's funny. Uh, Your favorite book? Favorite book. Okay, well, so I wouldn't expect this one. The Kite Runner. Okay. It's a really good book. I don't want to explain what we yeah. Cappuccino or iced coffee? Iced coffee. Favorite color to uh, paint in? The color of paint or the clothing I wear while I'm painting? Uh, to paint in, you said. Like, to, it sounds like. Uh, yeah, uh, to, to, to use. Paint with. Yeah, to use. To use. Orange. Okay. And you're, yeah, okay, got it. 
Uh, my wristband is orange. Uh, most unusual talent. I think I'm talentless. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't only think I think of unusual talent. Unusual talent. Unusual talent. Unusual talent. Unusual talent. Daddy. What's that? You're a plant daddy. I have a lot of plants, but that's not a talent. I mean, keeping I can grow plants, but um. We'll use it though. I think we can I'm use a fast, it. I'm not a fast thinker. I'm a fast talker. It'll be one like, I can say this many words in a minute. Right, right. No, I used to race the Micro Machine Man commercial when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. I used to try to talk faster than him. We uh, So I'm doing a review on uh, Transformers from 1986 that has that guy. As so one you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. That, that actually might be the talent right there. Yeah, I used to try to talk as fast as him with it being le legible. You could yeah. understand what I was saying. Yeah. And Speedy Gonzalez was like one of my favorite cartoon characters. That's great. So that's all I have. Um, it's on you now. Where can he find you on social media? And um, shamelessly plug, plug whatever you want. And thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. I Well, yeah, I kind of did some of my shameless plugins, but like, I didn't really realize I was doing it so much. But okay, so you can find my artwork at www.michaelbrulee.com. That's M I C H A E L B R U L E Y. You can also find me at EC Pops, the Rainbow Gallery on the second floor. You can find uh, the mural I'm working on at Spirits of Mount Vernon in um, Mount Vernon on North, on North Charles Street. I've been, you know, doing window displays at Octavia. I got two shows coming up in the Lauren Gallery and Lauren Carroll Gallery on 1918 Fleet Street in Fells Point in the spring, and December 1st at Devonport Imports and the Arts on 36th Street in Hamden. And if you go to my website, or you, know, you can find me on, on Instagram at the at sign Michael Burley. Um Facebook Michael Burley. Um, doesn't get much easier than that. I kept it all pretty easy. It's all just my name. Yeah. You know that way you can find me and easy to find. And you know, well, just thank you very much for having me on. And I guess those are my my plugins. Cheers. Uh, so for Michael Burley, thank you. Uh, I'm Rob Lee saying that there is art in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it.